Peace, everyone. Welcome to the Evolving Wings Podcast, where we center spiritual growth, healing, and life lessons towards your inner peace. I'm your host, Ismael Lara, also known as Evolving Wings. On today's episode, Star King, self-image, self-love, and self-forgiveness, I like to center a few historical realities, such as for centuries, people of color we've been told were not human, that were deficient, categorized as quote-unquote the other, categorized as quote-unquote inferior. My goal of the Star King song in my first EP was to illustrate the way I want the world to see me and not allow others to paint an image of who they think I am or should be. I want to control my own narrative and image. Also, it was important for me to express that I'm on a journey of reconnecting with my indigeneity, expressing the importance of my history, acknowledging different stages of my life, and forgiving myself for the mistakes that I've made and learning to live through the impacts and implications of my actions. To begin with, as a young person, I just always remember being made fun of, that I was too skinny, um, that I had crooked teeth, that I was ugly. I had internalized these comments so much from classmates uh, to family and friends. And even if they were made as jokes, I felt that maybe my subconscious didn't know how to differentiate whether it was a joke or not. And I internalized um, these negative feelings and emotions and they helped develop uh, a feeling of self-worth that I shouldn't have had with me to begin with. I developed some sort of uh, inferiority complex and that created and developed low self-esteem and no confidence in myself. And it was very evident, even in the way I carried myself and the way I talked to people, head down, slouching, even in the way I walked. And so looking back, I think when I wrote The Star King, I was like, not no more. I have control of my paintbrush, my pen, and this is the way I'm going to reconstruct myself. And it's based in my history. It's based in my indigeneity. It's based in the beauty and the brilliance of my people in our innovation, resiliency, resistance, and contributions to the world. Moreover, growing up, I would always cover my mouth when I would smile because I was just very self-conscious of the fact that I had overlapping crooked teeth. And I, I remember just literally every time I laughed, covering my mouth like this to laugh. And people would be like, yo, are you laughing? Are you not laughing? Why are you covering your mouth? And it's just something that just stayed with me. That I carried with me. I was 27, you know, years old the very first time I got braces because that was when I could afford to pay for them myself. And I had braces for like approximately three to four years. And I remember even when I had braces, I didn't want to smell all that much. And at some point, I was like, you know what? I have to be okay with who I am and not allow others to dim my light. And I remember the first day I had I, they removed the braces off of me. Man, I was smiling for no reason. I was just cheesing it all the time. And I think that um, I didn't understand that I was beautiful in the inside. And I didn't understand that when people would tell me, like, you have such a wonderful, beautiful, big smile. Why don't you smile more? I was like, because don't you see I have these crooked teeth? That's why I don't smile more. And so I think that that's what eventually pressured myself to want to invest in my teeth and 
Um, it was a rough process. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was working as a tutor in the Stockton area for migrant students for California Mini Court program. And most of my money literally went to paying for my, my braces. And looking back, though, I'm glad I did it because it did help create a sort of sense of self-confidence in me. And now, you know, as some of y'all might know me today and be like, well, he smiles all the time. I can't even imagine a time where, where he didn't. But that's because I, I went through these processes in my life in which I didn't have that self-confidence. Um, and even when my mom would tell me to, to smile, I didn't want to smile. Because from family pictures to school pictures, I remember this one moment. I was in elementary school. I don't know what grade I was in anymore. Maybe the second, third grade. And I wasn't conscious of all these negative connotations at first. And so what I do, that was all chimuelo and stuff. And I, I had a big old smile on my school picture. And my mom was like, yo, why are you smiling like that? You know, that's being chimuelo. And I know she didn't mean it from a bad place, y'all. Yeah, she didn't mean it from a bad place, you know. And just even sharing the story with y'all, there was some sort of reservation because people might think that that's an indication of who my mom is when it's totally the opposite. I'm sharing this story to, to illustrate that um, even as parents and myself today as a parent, I make mistakes like this as well. But I want to highlight, though, is that the kid version of myself didn't understand the complexities of, of that discussion. It just heard, I'm ugly. I don't have teeth. And so I shouldn't smile. And then later on growing up, that translated to, well, I have crooked teeth. I shouldn't smile. And looking back, I think that it caused a lot of insecurity within myself in middle school and this sort of feeling of hopelessness and uh, not being worthy, not being valuable. And in high school, I kept to myself a lot. I was very quiet. And community college, I, the same, también. I think that one of the elements that helped me kind of break out of my shell, looking back, was the first time I read the I Am Joaquin poem by Rodolfo Cogin Gonzalez. And I just fell in love with the poem. And I was asked by my, my English professor and Chicano, Chicano literature professor, Richard Rios, at Delta College, to play this role of um, Cuauhtémoc in a motivational conference for the Puente program up at UC Davis. This was around 2002, 2003, and there was about approximately seven or eight of us, my classmates, and everybody had a specific role. And I'll share more about that at some other point. But what I wanted to illustrate, it was within that poem, my history, my ancestry, that gave me some sort of self-confidence, even with these you know what I'm saying, not so perfect teeth, to express a big smile, to express joy, to step into the light in front of 600 people and recite my part in this uh, dramatic interpretation of a, a epic poem, Yo Soy Joaquin. And that became, that became one of the moments of this sort of confidence and liberation was through the arts. And that's why I'm sharing this story with y'all today, to illustrate that even though now I'm conscious, you know, that, you know, okay, I'm good looking, right? I really, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, uh, now that I'm conscious of not just the, the, the beauty within me, you know, the beauty outside of me and the exterior as well, is that I didn't know that, though. I had bought into the societal pressures of you, you're, you're ugly. 
that's fail. You know, you're weirdly looking. You're weird looking. I literally had people tell me I was weird looking. You know, that I had crooked teeth to shut up, that I can't speak or not to say anything. And as a young person, I just like, oh, wow, then I, I got to be that if they're saying I am. And so I think for me, um, one of the lessons within the lessons that I do my best to apply today is with my own sons, is that um, I didn't really have that type of a verbal connection of emotions with my own pops. And so I take it as a blessing for me to begin to change the cycles and the intergenerational relationships with my children in the sense that with my sons, I remind them that they're beautiful boys. I remind them that they have the right to speak and to question and to be listened to. And trust me, now they're like, yo, pops, you got to let me finish. I'm not done talking. Oh, that wasn't nice. You're being rude. You interrupted me. And I'm like, okay, you're right. Because that's a big part of growing and providing a critical lens and a critical perspective is that I want my kids to question and ask why, not just with me and my wife, but also with people that they might run into in the community and or in the educational institutions is that they should ask why. They should be curious of, you're telling me to do this, but why? Why, why, why just me? What's the real reason behind that? And I think for the most part, that's looked down upon because um, it's part of the, the mass narrative to control people. And so I think that for me, even just saying I love you and kissing them on their foreheads and taking our, every opportunity and every day to, to give them at least one hug with, with full of emotion and f full of love is that I'm helping to break some of the cycles that um, I've inherited and that I've reproduced myself in forms of uh, toxic masculinity. And don't get it twisted. I think masculinity is very beautiful as long as it's not toxic. And so that's one of the stories that I wanted to share with y'all. Next, when it comes to self-love, I kind of talked about my own definition of love and how Saiguru defines love and my interpretation of that definition on the last episode. And I think that I'm going to come back to a lot of these concepts regularly because there's not oh i spoke about it this one time and therefore everything that i had to say about it is done i don't think so i think for my podcast is i'm centering mental health i'm centering being vulnerable i'm centering these these real stories that for a long time were very very embarrassing for me to express to let alone even within my own mind say they existed and that they do exist and I was kind of haunted by them. And I found liberation and strength and beauty and brilliance in sharing them with people. And that's why I'm sharing them with y'all through this platform, through this podcast, because I feel that it may help other people. Why? Because once I began to sharing these stories with people through group text messages and DMs and in or in person, other people like, I've gone to that too, or me too. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, how come y'all never said nothing, you know? And I will... Well, why didn't you like well that's a good point and or that's why i'm taking the initiative to talk about it now because i think that if we want to build a stronger and more empathetical community and society where we really have equality and equity it begins with having some uncomfortable conversations so when we talk about self-love in the song the star king i i say a lot about my indigeneity about my moms, about praying, about meditating. And for me, I remember this one story that I want to share with y'all. My, my niece, Annabella, 
I can't remember if it was elementary to middle school, middle school to high school to keep it real with y'all. I thought it was her graduation. At the end of the day, she was like, Tio, you don't graduate from here. You get promoted. And I was like, okay, pues promoted. And I was just so happy for her. I was just so full of joy to see uh, my only niece be so happy. She's walking stage and we got balloons for her and we wanted to make it a huge deal because it is a huge deal. And because I didn't have those moments in the way we wanted to provide for her. And also I had to self-reflect and say, you know what? I'm proud of you. I had to look in the mirror and say, you know, I'm proud of you for everything you've done as well. I think sometimes we're not happy for others because we don't have that X, Y, Z of what they've accomplished. In another layer, I think that we're very good at being happy for others and not good, happy for ourselves and applauding ourselves for any type of achievement, whether small or big, that we're accomplishing and or have accomplished. I remember being in an auditorium and seeing her uh, on stage as she's getting ready to walk stage and get her, her certificate and whatnot. And I would say that half of the second verse of the Star King I wrote in that auditorium. Uh, I can't tell you exactly why these lyrics of ancestral knowledge and pyramids and intergalactic impalas came about to me. But there was something about just seeing her full of, she's a star. She's a superstar, you know, she's full of light, divine light. And I think that that's what it's about is uh, doing our best to live as much as we can with joy in our hearts and to see that shine in our aura and in our eyes. I think that's what it's a part of. And for me, I just felt very, very proud of her and what she was accomplishing. And so looking back, I felt that I needed to be better about the self-love for myself. And self-love and self-care is going to look different for everyone. And the way we express that and or share recommendations will be useful to wherever it's useful. Because I don't believe that there's just one set of this is what self-care and self-love looks like. I think for me, it's what um, the specific items that are good for me and what I'm doing. Because like I shared with y'all before, dealing with mental health issues, dealing with uh, back issues and IBS, uh, I have to eat specific foods. Sometimes my muscles tying up. I might have to take, you know, an Epsom salt uh, bath just to calm down my body because it'll lock up. And so those was I like taking those, doing those things for myself, meditating and just being barefoot on grass, hugging a tree, talking to the tree, taking the time to watch, you know, a blade of grass, the birds. I love watching the hummingbirds in my backyard. I love that when I go to the cemetery to to go spend time with my pops there, just viewing nature. And I feel very blessed and fortunate when I do see hummingbirds right by his grave. It makes me feel like extra connected to him because I already feel connected to him. I really feel like he is my guardian angel, a second one and just really watching over me and so for me that self-love was like let's go back to the root let's go back to the womb so to speak and I think that for me my mom's has always been the most loving person and figure in my life she was also the enforcer in my home my pops never once laid a hand on us he didn't have to he just gave us that look and I was like oh 
you know what I'm saying, right away. Uh, even when my mom's being the enforcer, she was also the person to tell me about love, compassion. She was the one that always wanted me to be um, heartwarming and to think about others, put myself in other people's shoes. And I would have to greatly uh, give that uh, recognition, acknowledgement, and credit to my mom's because she's the coach of my heart. And my pops is the coach of my mind. And so for that self-love, I just think that it's important for us to be gentle with ourselves, to be understanding with ourselves. And sometimes we're our own worst critic. I know for me, I'm too much of a perfectionist sometimes, and I have to just tell myself, I just need to slow down. I just need to calm down, take a deep breath. It's not that bad. Sometimes I make things and issues bigger than they really are. And for me, that's part of the anxiety and or depression that I've been dealing with is understanding that in my mind, I'm making these issues bigger than they really are. So that's something that I want uh, to be mindful of going forward. And as I share these knowledges and these experiences with y'all and even my kids. Moving along to self-forgiveness. This has been a very difficult aspect for myself is that just like I mentioned in the last episode, I thought that it was okay for me to hurt and wound other people because I was hurt and I was wounded myself. And once again, I was wrong for that. And I've had to learn how to forgive myself and more importantly, how to not commit hurting other people. That's the biggest part of that whole equation and reality for me. I just think that when we hurt the women in our community, we're hurting the whole village, the whole tribe. We're hurting ourselves. We're hurting our children. We're hurting all our children in reality. And I think that for me, I had to look back. And, and although I didn't create uh, patriarchy, that I shouldn't reproduce it. And I should keep myself accountable to the best that I can to not reproducing it. And I would say on this journey of developing some sort of consciousness to this reality has been like over a decade now, like a 10 to 12 years now of being committed to that work. And I'm not perfect. I've have, I've made um, some mistakes, maybe not as big as prior mistakes, but um, it takes a process. It takes a process. It's probably taken my whole life um, dealing and deconstructing uh, patriarchy and its um, tenets that I've lived out in my life from what I've seen as a child to me becoming an adult. And I think that the goal for me within the song and my reality is to be a better being, be a better man, be a better father, be a better husband, be a brother, brother, deal, cousin, all that stuff. And to really practice what I preach and walk the walk, so to speak. And it hasn't been easy. And I'll, going to the third verse of the Star King, I opened up by talking about this reality. I felt that it was my way to begin this dialogue within myself. Because to keep it real with y'all, the way I wrote the EP is a better me talking to a present me and, and reminding the present me that I have the ability to grow. But it has to be a choice. And that's not an easy choice. Sometimes, um, just just like I began this episode today of being embarrassed and shy and told I was puny, I was skinny, I was ugly, crack crooked teeth, you can't smile, you shouldn't talk. 
is that we we build up all these insecurities and uh, excuse me I'll make a nice statement. I built up these insecurities and within these insecurities, I felt that um, because I had dealt with so much hurt and so much pain that I could dish out so much pain, so much hurt as well. And I was wrong for that. So there's a quote, a lyric that I want to share with y'all. I'm going to read off of it here because I want to get it right. So in verse three of the Star King, I say something like, I'm no longer fiend for lust to plug the hole in my heart. I love myself now. I don't feel the need to throw darts, leave peace or hearts, walk away with guilty thoughts. Good God with good intentions is not enough. Had to reflect after the aftermath that I had caused. I ain't picture perfect, yet I paint my own picture. Hush, I refuse to let someone else dip my brush. And what I meant by that was that I know I'm not perfect. And I have a commitment to my family to my wife, to my children, to my mom, to my sisters, to my niece, to all the women in my family, all the women in my community, and to be better. And I didn't realize how much pain all the women that I love the most had have been through in their own lives and historically as well. And I'm like, what what am I doing? You know, being a player, being a bachelor, and that type of jargon and reality. What are we really doing to ourselves and to the women in our community? And I can't speak for no one else, nor do I want to. I get to speak from my experience and to tell y'all that I think that for me, it was a conscious moment in my life where I was like, this way that I've been growing up and this idea of what a man is, is to be tough, is to work out, to have to be strong, to have a nice car, to have money, to have rims on the new car, and to have expensive jewelry, that's a man, and to be a player, that's to be a man. I was totally wrong, and I think that was a toxic trait and reality that I was living in, and I realized that there's nothing cool about hurting the people you love the most, and I think that for me, that's what caused a pivotal change of consciousness there's, then there's a whole process of actually living it and doing it and being committed to it that is a process within itself and a journey before the journey. So I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm like, all of a sudden I'm free of patriarchy. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that I began this journey consciously a little over a decade ago, and I'm doing the best that I can to be accountable to that commitment and to the commitment that I have to the to the women that I love the most in my life. And I think that that takes a lot of courage for someone that grew up thinking that he had no courage, that he wasn't strong. Once again, just to conceptualize what I'm saying is that it's not easy. When we talk about social justice and getting rid of racism, is that we have to get rid of sexism as well, y'all. That's what I'm saying. And what I'm saying is I'm not perfect, but I am on a conscious pathway and reality, and I'm committed to it, to create a better society, which includes not hurting anyone in our community, especially the women that we love the most. If we're really having a sincere conversation with ourselves, we know damn well that we would never want anything negative to happen to our own daughters. And I don't even have a daughter right now, but what I'm saying is I'm hoping Creator blesses me and my wife with that type of blessing of having a baby girl in our life someday. And I think that it's important that I'm already doing the work to being a better man, a better husband, and a better father. So I could potentially someday be a better father to a baby girl. And I think that that's important for me. Because I, I know that I would never want anything bad 
or negative type of reality or emotion to happen to my daughter. And so I think that that takes educating myself and sharing with the community what I've learned. And that patri- there's nothing cool about patriarchy because patriarchy uh, creates a system that's institutionalized to reproduce inequality based on sex and gender. And so I think that I just for me, I have to be mindful of that. So in, in the third verse of the Star King, that's what I'm saying is that I haven't been perfect, is that I do have a past of making mistakes when it comes to my relationships that I've been in, and I want to be better. What I'm saying, and I'm not going to let nobody else dim my brush, is that I'm not going to allow anybody to prevent me from evolving and from growing. And I think that's one of the jewels there, is that no matter how ugly my past is or anyone's past is, if we want to have a better future, we can. We have the capability and the ability. And if we have the conscious willingness to respond, we could definitely evolve and create a better version of ourselves. Because guess what? You're the architect. You're the designer of your own life. No matter what the past is, we have that right to grow and to bloom beauty and brilliance. If you take anything from this episode, that's what I feel that you should take away, is that we all have that right to evolve and to not allow anyone to hold us to past mistakes. Let us grow. Let us live. Let us be. And I think that's what we should have for each other is that compassion. If it comes from a place of authenticity and sincereness to be better. Another lyric that I like to share from the verse three of my Star King song is um, many lessons that I will teach my children. Eventually it will be a better place. What you're doing daily, raising children to be compassionate is revolutionary. I was inspired. I was listening to a lot of Cormega at the time. I believe it was Mega Philosophy. Can't remember one song right now off the top of my head. I just remember having this feeling. He's conceptualizing his reality in the sense of paraphrasing here that you may not see him out in the community in the streets a lot, but that's because he's at home raising his children and being with his family. And when I heard that, I was like, I'm at the stage in my life where I have my own family now. And I felt that. At that time, I believe I was doing a lot of community work in San Francisco um, from being a internal organizer at SEIU Local 87, Justice for Janitors campaign, to a community organizer as well uh, with Calles and doing intervention work with young people in the Mission District, is that I was out there in the community because I felt that was part of my duty to, to spread knowledge, to spread love, to educate, and to be an ally to folks that want something different for themselves. At the same time, I realized, you know what? I'm getting home really late. I'm not spending enough time with my own family. So I was kind of like, whoa, whoa. There has to be a balance because I don't want to help the community but neglect my community, my community at home with my wife and my son. And as we're building our tribe, I need to be home as well. So that's that's what I meant. It's like, well, what are you doing? Because what I'm doing is valuable to me and the community from this aspect. Because people might not, people might be like, well, he's not out here no more and whatnot in the community. But guess what? I'm still helping the community because I'm helping the community by raising my children in a way to be compassionate people, to be compassionate beings. And I think that's a very revolutionary act of love within itself that merits um, a lot of acknowledgement. I think when you start at home, it's a big part of healing the community as well. And I think sometimes we don't realize how much power we have 
within ourselves and those around us. So I would say that sometimes we don't have to look anywhere but inward and within our home. Moreover, I got another lyric that I want to share with y'all. It's probably one of my favorite from the whole song. It goes like this. La educación de mis padres, la mejor herencia. Sus sacrificios, la mejor guianza. Damos con amor lo poco que tenemos, humildad. Pagamos con lágrimas y sonrisas las deudas de la vida. Todos somos estrellas que nacieron para iluminar familia. And so what I was doing there was, it was a play on words in an aspect, in the sense that the, the EP is called Walking Stars, because I feel that we are all stars. We're all going to go back and transition into ancestors in the sky and be a part of the, the stars that illuminate our descendants and guide them um, when they need our help, when they're asking for some guidance and some direction. I really believe that. I really feel that. And this all happened to develop after the transition of my pops from being here in the physical to being an ancestor. And going back to just looking at the lyric real quick, I really feel like the best education that I've ever received in my life is the education from my parents, is the wisdom and the knowledge of their experiences and what they shared with me. So I don't have to necessarily make those same mistakes. It doesn't mean that I won't, but it means that hopefully if I'm wise enough to apply this knowledge, that I don't have to make those same mistakes. I'll probably just generate my own mistakes, which are going to be a part of who I am and my process. And I think that creating some sort of manual that we share intergenerationally to one another of what has helped me, what has worked in this era with these circumstances is just vital and it's important. I always think about that movie, The Maze Runner, and they're trying to figure out how to get out the maze. You know, and I think that it's important to have a map blueprint of what has helped me as we're all creating roadmaps so it's that time in the episode y'all we're about to conclude but before we do i have my tip of the day i would like y'all to take the time to look in the mirror say your full name and repeat i love you say your full name and repeat i believe in you say your full name and repeat i am great practice try this with full intensity of your emotions and your heart, your mind, body, and spirit. And let me know if you begin to feel and see some sort of transformation and or change. This is one of the things that has helped me. Once again, this may not be for everyone. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just sharing the tips that have been working for me because I think that it's important how we talk to ourselves. There's nothing wrong with self-talk. I think the only time it becomes problematic is that when we're self-talking to ourselves in a negative way, a negative aspect. For instance, saying, ah, oh, man, I'm so dumb, so again, mental. I think subconsciously we're wounding ourselves. So doing this exercise, what I want to practice consciously is to tell our subconsciousness that we love ourselves, that we believe in ourselves, and that we are great. And if you like today's episode, please drop a comment, subscribe, share with a friend. My name is Ismael Lara, also known as Evolving Wings. Many blessings today and always. Peace.